What year did you graduate high school, by the way? 1980. <laughs> no, what year did you graduate? I was born in 1986. I was graduated. I was graduated. In, <laughs> in 2004. Okay, so two years after I did. Yeah. Okay. A whole different generation. Well, I was just thinking, you played that Michael W. Smith song, and I was just wondering if you remember Gay, gay Bolts. <laughs> 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 Are we allowed to play this Ray for the Bolts. intro? <laughs> Ray Bolts. You, legi- <laughs> you legitimately accidentally called him Gay Bolts. Ray Gay. The well, there it was. I was going to talk about Ray Bolts, but that could be for the cold open, but that could be it. Just Though the ship is tattered. Daddy, daddy, what have we seen here today? There's so much that we don't understand. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Mm. I am a life that was changed. Where do I go <laughs> when I'm thirsty and dry? You go to the river. I go to the river. I wonder what he's up to. So it... <laughs> <laughs> so anybody who did not grow up in church has been isolated by the first minute of this podcast. Let's get this thing started. Hey everybody, welcome to episode four of One Hour a Week, a 30-minute ministry podcast. I am Jared Hollier. He is Rusty Mont. What up? We're still doing this thing and y'all are still listening, so thank you very much. At least we think they are. It could just be us talking to the void of the internet. We're just talking into microphones to each other. It's really good. <laughs> I thought our conversations were great when we just had coffee, but it's just the intensity and the quality has skyrocketed since we've given each other microphones. And we're wearing headphones. Yeah. This is awesome. It's like hey, we're in a studio. So we never talked, we never explained why this got started or where the name came from. So let's let's do this. This was not planned, but let's do this real quick. And we're going off the script. They're going to take our Baptist card. So we decided to call this one hour a week a 30-minute ministry podcast because the old joke is that preachers only work one hour a week. And if That's you work right. in a church, I'm sure you've heard that at some point. Nah. Waka waka. Oh, man. It's so good. No. Anyway, so that's why we decided to call it that, and and we decided for our own sake to call it a 30-minute ministry podcast, because that would give us some parameters to not just ramble for two hours and go, y'all enjoy this. And we thought it was a funny joke to be called one hour a week, a 30-minute podcast. This whole thing started, this project started because for a couple of years now, Rusty and I get together probably once a month uh, at Rayo's in Beaumont and get a cup of coffee and just Mm. sit around and, and talk ministry and talk life and one day he said we should record this and invite other people to be in on the conversation nobody literally nobody was asking to be a part of those conversations (laughs) so this podcast was born out of our arrogance so we we knew there was a low demand but we love this the quality of our conversations were so good that we needed a bigger audience the people overhearing us at rayo's was not enough because we were loud and boisterous there's no doubt about it Everybody at Rayo's knew our opinions about life and ministry. It was either start recording a podcast or we're going to carry a PA system into Rayo's and set it up next to our table. That's right. Gather around. We have wisdom to impart. Amen. The final decision to start doing this was actually made over a cup of coffee about the conversation and the topic we're going to cover today, which is ambition. Probably two months ago now, we got together and we were having a conversation about what does it look like to be ambitious in ministry, but in the right way. You know, we have to figure out how to balance ambition and humility. We have to be ambitious about the right things. 
And so after that conversation, that was the day that we decided we'd you know, buy a little digital recorder and grab some microphones and, and start recording it and sharing this conversation with others. So that's where we're going to go today is we're going to talk about ambition, humility, success, striving after the right things. Let's just dive in. Heck yeah. Get after I'm all it. for it. Do you, do you feel like an ambitious person in ministry? Pastoring in and of itself kind of you almost have to have an entrepreneurial spirit to be involved in ministry. And I think the machine that we have turned the American church into in the 21st century thrives on an entrepreneurial spirit. I'm going to stop saying the word you know, entrepreneurial because I'm, I'm struggling with you it. You got it well, two this, times. <laughs> I did get it, but it was like, well, I think the biggest problem is the <laughs> entrepreneurial It's like a speed bump <laughs> yeah, in the middle of your exactly. sentence. But I do think that our culture kind of rewards that type of attitude, uh, being a go-getter, going out and doing stuff, which is why uh, two weeks ago's podcast exists, talking about rest right. and the importance of stopping, because uh, we're all about you know Shark Tank ministry. Let's keep pitching ideas. One of them is going to make us a million bucks and bring us a million members, and everything's going to be awesome, and we're going to be a great big success. Pretty soon, they'll be putting us on the biggest platforms and all that kind of stuff. That is the bad side of ambition and ministry. But if we're honest, it's a side that exists, and I think we do a disservice if we act like that's not a reality and that's not something that we deal with a little bit, is the desire to do more, the desire to be greater, the desire to have more acceptance from our peers, and the desire to do bigger and better things, whether that's at our current church or at another church down the road. Uh, We tend to think bigger is better and more notoriety is better, just the bigger platform we can establish, the better. If you could see me, I'm putting my hand in the air. I'm being very demonstrative, he's but you can't see me. This like is a, he's going to take flight this, any second. This is a podcast. So I, I think when you're thinking about ambition and ministry, man, it's uh, it's something that everybody deals with, but we all know we're not supposed to be dealing with it. It's weird, cause, but then that, that leads us to pretending too, because then we put on sort of a false humility. I know I do it, yeah. because we were saying before we started recording, I'm self-aware enough, and I know this is going to sound cocky, and I'm sorry if you take it that way, but I'm self-aware enough to know I'm a pretty good preacher. I, I'm Don't make <laughs> that face at me. Don't you dare. I was trying to hold out on you in silence, but then I realized you're talking, so it wasn't going to be effective, so I had to make an awkward face. I'm a pretty good preacher. I'm not People the... out there, can you believe this guy just said that? Oh, what a guy. guy. I'm more of the Platt style. Ah, you're so humble. <laughs> Just There's so that humble. humility coming through. I mean, here. I don't even really know if I can preach, guys. What is a Bible? It's more like <laughs> Seinfeld. Seinfeld. <laughs> What's the deal with Hebrews? What's the deal with Bibles? <laughs> Francis Chan so, slash Seinfeld. So I'm I'm self-aware enough to know I'm a I'm pretty good preacher. A gifted communicator, certainly, and gifted sure. expositor. And you are too. And then I, do I have ambition to be somewhere besides I mean, if you live outside of Southeast Texas, you may not know that Vider, Texas has kind of a redneck, dumpy, small town no. reputation. It does. I grew okay. up there. I graduated from Vider. I work there now. I know what kind of reputation it has. So we do I be have? From, we can't all be from Spurger. Shout out. So what up? So do I have ambition to go to a bigger church, a bigger platform, a bigger audience? You know, I don't know. That's that's where the struggle comes in between, and it's going to get worse this week. We're getting ready to go to this big conference, the Gospel Coalition Conference. Well, we'll see big name preachers with big influential ministries, and then we'll come home thinking we all will. We'll get on that bus after the conference is over, and we'll all get on the bus and think, "Man, I would love to be in that position." So it's not 
for me, it's not ambition to be bigger and more popular and more well-known, but the way I justify it, maybe that's not the right word because I think it's true, but it would give me a bigger audience in which to use the gifts God has given me. Yeah. You know, so that's that's kind of the struggle I have in my own head, the conversation I have with myself and with God between, I don't want to be popular, but it would be great to have more people seeing what God's letting me do. I think it's okay to want to be successful. The problem comes in in that the way the American church has defined success is very different from the way that God defines success. And for us to be successful, your church needs to be booming and growing and uh, building buildings, and you need to be going to bigger and better churches, mm-hmm. and you need to be on the platform at the Gospel Coalition or the SBC pastors meeting. You need to have bigger platforms and bigger opportunities. That's kind of how we define success today. Um, and what's weird about it is, again, we all know that we're not supposed to long for that, yet the reality is... We kind of do. We do long for that. Yeah. And in the American church, it's perpetuated as this is what you need to do, this is what you need, this is what you want. And I think about conferences where, again, this week we're going to a big conference, and I was at a conference a few weeks ago, and I know inevitably we're going to hear this. Listen, y'all, success, and they're not going to say y'all because they're not from Southeast Texas, but they're going to say... Uh, you guys, use guys. Uh, <laughs> success is not defined by numbers, right. said the pastor of a mega church that's speaking <laughs> right. at the with big a million dollar budget. You know, mm-hmm. like so. It's it's one of those things where listen, success isn't about all these things. But let us tell you how you can be a better pastor, since we're clearly the authority, since we are the ones who are at the big churches doing that. So it, it's kind of like we're speaking out of one side of our mouth, and then on the other side. Yeah, but success gets you to these places. So Now let's hit the pause button and say, Rusty and I are both happy where we're at. We're not complaining. Happy. We're not trying to get out of our jobs. I love the church I'm serving. I love the people there. I love the ministries we have going. I am perfectly content and happy and thrilled every week that I get to do what I do at my church. And so the this isn't a podcast about, man, I wish I was somewhere else. But just all of us have that drive. Like Rusty said, there's... There is some drive to be in, and honestly, in our day, ministry in front of people. I know there's some administrative type positions, but if you're going to stand in front of people and lead worship or teach a class, it does take some personality. It is sort of a personality-driven job. And so just part of that personality is that we do want to see things get bigger. We want to see the audience grow or the congregation grow. We want to see the ministries get bigger and better. That's not a bad thing, but it does go back to why are we doing that? And also, how are we doing that? Does it affect our decision-making so that we're making crappy decisions, we're making bad decisions to see the end result? The end justifies the means. Certainly. So when we're thinking about ambition, again, you said that we're happy with where we're at right now at this station in our life. And again, I would just affirm that. I know there are ministry leaders listening to this, uh, probably not from my church. Nobody from my church has really told me they're listening. So if you are, <laughs> you can let me know. But uh, and Matt doesn't count. I, I love Matt. But, but you make you know, him listen. I make him. It's part of meeting. his, yeah, it's part of our staff. You have to listen to my podcast. But I, I think this could come across as confusing to them. But here's what's messed up about it. And I even acknowledged this in front of our church on a Sunday night one time. If one of our church members comes to us and says, hey, I have a job that is giving me a lot more authority and a lot more influence and is going to pay me more Mm -hmm. and is a major step up in my career that everybody applauds and says, wow, God is really blessing you. Yet if God called me to go to a church twice the size of Cornerstone next week, there would be people in my congregation who say, well, he was just looking for the first step up he could take. Chasing the money. You know, just that's all about. So it's weird that 
when it comes to ambition, pastors are held to a weird standard that other Christians aren't. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of where we have to stop and say, okay, well, wait a second. If if pastors, and I do think that pastors need to check our ambition, right. and we'll talk about that some more in a minute, that we do need to evaluate where our hearts are at and what are the goals of ministry? What are we really seeking? And we need to have that conversation. But as much as pastors need to have that conversation, so do associate pastors, youth ministers, lay leaders in the church, Sunday school teachers, everybody, uh, workers at the plant. Like everyone needs to have this conversation. Why do I want the bigger house? Why do I want the better car? Why do I want more money? Why do I want more influence? We all need to evaluate what we're doing with the influence we have now. Are we being a good steward of what God's given me today? And am I trying to leverage everything God gives me to have the greatest impact for his kingdom? If that's not our ambition, we all need to check ourselves. Mm, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah. Was that Paul that wrote that? Sounds more like Peter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I read a book a long time ago, and I've used this illustration a million times, and I can't remember where I read this. So if you know, please tweet it or text me or let me know where it is. But I read an illustration where the guy said that just in talking about what's God's will, do I go to the bigger and better church? Do I stay where I'm at? What do I do? And this guy used the illustration of a playground. He said, you go and you see a playground, there's a fence around it, but inside the playground there's a swing set, slide, merry-go-round. You take your kids to the playground and you say, go play. I don't care what piece of equipment you go play on, just stay inside the fences. And he said God's will, in his opinion, is a lot like that, that God give us gives us some parameters, some boundaries to stay inside, but then he says, go play. Just stay inside these moral standards and these theological standards. Just stay inside this playground, but then go and do whatever you want as long as you stay inside these things. And so I think that our ambition can become unhealthy. Like I said, it can cause us to make decisions and do things too quickly or for the wrong reasons. It can be unhealthy. But as long as we're checking our ambition through those fences that God has set up for us, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I think so. As long as we know that we are following the Lord and wholly surrendered to Him, wherever He leads us and wherever we feel like, man, this is where my heart is at right now, as long as, like you said, we're in the fence. Psalms talks about the Lord setting our boundaries in, in awesome places. Like you said, He's given us a big yard to play in. Yeah. And go do what the Lord's calling you to big, do. It's a big, big yard. Lots and lots of room. Where we can play football. I need Ernie Overstreet to come sing that song. <laughs> just to sit or in the corner. Even, yeah. I just want Brother Ernie to sit right over here and <laughs> sing that song for us. I want a, a quote similar to that is from uh, Kevin DeYoung's book, Just Do Something. And he says, die to self, live for Christ, and then do what you want and go where you want for God's glory. And a very similar quote, and it's kind of ironic that we're quoting Kevin DeYoung this morning. I just saw on Twitter yesterday and this morning that Kevin DeYoung, who has been a pastor in East Lansing, Michigan, is now going to North Carolina to pastor a church and teach there. So he obviously is practice what, right. practicing what he preaches, that uh, God's kind of moved him in this direction and given him a new opportunity, and he's excited about that. But there's kind of two different schools of thought, and I want to just kind of bring this up because Hit me with uh, Brother Matt and I, uh, my associate pastor here at Cornerstone, and I've had a lot of conversations with this, we, we both are fans of Mark Dever. In fact, Nine Marks, you may be familiar with their publishing arm. They are big proponents of, man, you find a place, you plant your life, and you die where you plant Stay your life. Stay there. Stay there. And, man, that is appealing to me because I served under a pastor who 
has served there 30 plus years. And I believe right now you're serving under a pastor who's been there that close to that same length of time. So we see the fruit that comes from that. And that's not something that can be replicated in two or three or four year layover. That's only something that can be done when you, when honestly, he's unfortunately been there long enough that he has been there for some people's birth and death in the same ministry, in the same families. He's been there for generations now. And that's not something that, we may ever get the opportunity to see in our ministries. Yeah. And that takes decades. Well, and and I think God wires people differently, and I think we need to recognize that. So while there is a very, for the Brother Pauls and the Brother Larrys out there, that is a very special thing, and God equips them to do that. I'll be honest, my personal ambition is to be that type of minister. I hope that God lets me stay here at Cornerstone for a long, long time. And to be able to have that kind of generational impact, I really do hope that. That's my, but again, that can become my ambition. Right. And it can become what I want to do, and then I'm not following the Lord when he's wanting to lead me somewhere else. So ambition can take many shapes and forms, and I think we kind of don't realize that all the time. We kind of have pegged it as the bigger and bigger moving on up type attitude. But sometimes your ambition could drive you to go to something that's easier. You know, your ambition could drive you to, what you think is a green pasture, but you're really just running from where the Lord wants you to be. I think ambition, again, just takes many shapes and forms, and we need to be able to recognize that for what it is. The grass is always greener on the other side, too. Always. It always is. And the grass is always greener where you left, too. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Oh, now, yeah. Now, listen, Peace Tree Baptist Church. Oh, man. Jared served faithfully as the pastor there for several years. I was the associate pastor at Freeman Heights Baptist Church. And, like, I would take a bullet for those people right now. Love them, love them, love them. But you know what? When I look back at my ministry there, nothing was wrong, and it was the best people, and all of those people were just like the apostles. They were wonderful. There was not a problem in the world. Every business meeting went smoothly. (laughs) Everything was great. Everything I wanted to do, they approved of. And I think the enemy does that. The enemy tries to steal us from being content. And that's a huge thing when we're thinking about ambition is, uh, are we content? So sometimes I long for what I've left behind, and then there are times where I long for what's ahead, but both of those are dangerous if I'm not content in where God has me now. And sometimes I think that we look to other pastors, honestly, because maybe we have some issues that we're trying to avoid facing right where we're at, that I might want to go somewhere else instead of manning up and taking care of. Yeah, it, it's a It seems like a quick way out of the things that I might be supposed to be fixing where I am. I think it was Andy Stanley who said something along these lines at a leadership conference I went to. If you walked out of your job and came in tomorrow and took over your own position as though it were your first day, what would you change? What would you keep doing the same? What would you do differently? And now ask, ask yourself the question, why am I not doing those things? I think we just get complacent. We fall into a rut or a routine where we're just doing things. And we kind of sweep the same thing under the rug over and over, and we kind of ignore the cracks in the ceiling and the stains and the, metaphorically speaking, we just ignore those things. And I think sometimes our ambition might come from a place of escape. You know, if I could get out of here, things will be different over there. But they've got cracks in their ceiling and stains on their carpet over there, too. And so I think we have to be careful to not let our ambition, quote unquote ambition, really be just the desire to kind of escape some things. That the more responsible thing to do would be take an honest look at where I'm at. What am I doing wrong? What am I, what should I be changing and do it? What hard conversations do I need to be having here? And then take care of business here where I'm at. 
before I start setting my eyes to go somewhere else. It's kind of interesting, and this is really the heart of this podcast, to have conversations like this and the things that come up as we're talking about it. But I'm realizing as we talk that ambition is a whole lot less about our churches and our situations, that ambition is really a heart problem that we have, yeah. a lack of contentment, a lack of valuing the right type of success and looking to the Lord for our contentment and our and obedience as our success. And when we are not seeing Jesus as the green pasture, when we're not seeing obedience to him as success, then it kind of shatters everything. No church is going to be the right church. No job is going to be the right job. No astroturf pasture that's out there is going to satisfy. It looks greener, <laughs> but it's fake grass, yeah. you know? And we get there and we realize this isn't genuine. This isn't real. This isn't helping anybody out. So where we need to get is to, as pastors and ministry leaders and as lay leaders, is where we can be content where we are right now with Jesus, that we can know that we are resting in him, we are walking with him, and that he is our joy, he is our success even. And when we're at that point, man, we're free for him to say, hey, why don't you go to this platform? Why don't you uh, do this? Why don't you serve right here? Why don't you spend 30 years pouring your life out in Koontz? Or why don't you go and serve here? Why don't you do this? So all, all of those things kind of fall in line when we are finding our satisfaction and our contentment in Christ. Do you think it's healthier then to make our ambition wherever I am right now, I'm going to work here and I'm going to serve here and I'm going to do the best I can here. And instead of chasing another opportunity, wait for God to bring those opportunities to us. That maybe instead of my ambition being to go somewhere else, do something else, be something else, my ambition needs to be presently focused. Let my ambition and my drive be on my situation where I am. And then if God brings another opportunity to me, look into it. That's a different kind of ambition than running after those opportunities. You know, I, I grow and serve and preach where I am, and if somebody offers me a camp or a disciple now or a revival, I'll take it. But I don't send flyers out seeking out those things, trying to build up my own platform. I've been doing that for and, you. Oh, thanks, yeah. Rusty. I was wondering who are the. I've been sending some mailers out. Get saying, a better headshot. Someone, please. I look someone rough. Please. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely think that's what we need to be doing and if you're discouraged today if you are burdened if you are frustrated with where you're at in ministry you don't need to run to ministry well you don't need to go to the SBTC or BGCT employment opportunities Church don't go to the don't go to the newsletter and start looking for vacancies if you're discouraged today the first place you need to go is to the cross the first place you need to go is to Jesus where you can deal with him and where he can help you and where you can find rest and contentment because being frustrated and being, it's never a good time to make decisions and to uh, make choices and to, you know, I just make stupid decisions when I'm upset. I was thinking about a conversation I had with our mutual friend, Randy Redke. Yeah, shout out, Randy. Hey, this Randy. This is happening. Uh, are you even listening? We'll find out next week. You <laughs> will be with us on a trip, and if you don't hear this, then it's just going to get gonna weird. We're going to know. But We're Randy, give you a pop quiz. <laughs> Randy was kind of had a, a, a really interesting philosophy on the... Uh, you know, you've always we've always heard the old saying, never quit on a Monday. Yeah. If you're a pastor, never quit on a Monday. And he was saying that you the best time to make decisions is on a Wednesday or Thursday because uh, Friday you're excited about the weekend, like everything's great, like this is the best thing ever, so you're ready to sign like a 50-year contract with your church because okay. God is so good and everything's great. Monday you're like, 
I hate this and I'm done. I'm never going to preach again. Like that was my last message yesterday. I'm out. So he was just talking about the most reasonable time for us to kind of evaluate and, and have our minds and our spirits in the right place is like Wednesday and Thursday. Midweek, there's a real narrow Mid-week, window. Yeah. So if you're going to look for an, another pastorate, if you're going to look for another ministry opportunity, you may need to wait till Wednesday or Thursday. I but, would be interested to see the website numbers. I bet they spike on Monday mornings. That is actually a really interesting thought. I wish we could get on like ministry well or church, you know, I, church I jobs could and guarantee just, that those numbers of yeah. website views spike on Monday. You know, we talked about that before, you know, selling insurance or working at Chili's, mm-hmm. but I think that in ministry terms sometimes, well this would be easier, this would be better. But again, it comes back to usually being burnt out, being frustrated, being disappointed, and, and all of those things happen when I'm evaluating my ministry through the wrong lens, when I'm looking at my life and looking at my church through uh, the, the wrong gauge when it comes to what success is. So let's talk about that for a second. How do we, in a healthy way, define success in our ministry? The joke I remember from college, or one of the jokes I remember from college that I can share here, was that... Uh, <laughs> Just, yeah, easy. Yeah, calm down was that our temptation is to measure success by nickels and noses, bodies in the pews and money coming in. But some of the healthiest churches are also the smallest churches. Yeah. I mean, bivocational pastors can have strong, healthy, vibrant congregations. So I think it goes back to the entrepreneurable that you were talking about earlier. Hashtag wordsmith. Entrepreneurable spirit. Because that's what the American consumer idea is, right? Your company's only good if it's growing. If you open a shop, that's great. If it stays open a year, that's better. If you open a second location, you're killing it. I think that we've left that consumer culture and that marketplace culture leak into our churches, so our temptation is to look at Sunday school attendance or small group. how many small groups do we have? Are they multiplying? How many people are here? How much money's coming in? Are we making our staff bigger? But that's just not a healthy way to do it, and not to get too pastoral on you, but look at the end of Jesus' ministry. Jesus grew and grew and grew, and then by the time he did the most important thing, which was go to the cross, the crowds had turned on him, and people left him, and his his ministry, in our eyes, was dying before he literally died, right? So I think instead, the way I try to keep myself in check is I look at the closest relationships I have in my church. I have a handful of people, maybe a couple of handfuls of people, the 10 to 20 people that I feel like I'm closest to and most discipling personally, and I try to gauge my success by their walk. How are they doing? If they're doing well, I feel like I'm doing well. If I preach and lead worship and teach my Sunday school class, and the 15 or 20 people within the congregation that I feel closest to and most connected to on a day-to-day text message, phone call, we share meals together on a regular basis kind of relationship. If I can look over the course of three or four or five or six months and see that they're growing and see some tangible evidence that they're growing, I feel like I'm doing okay. And it's not something that you can measure week to week because discipleship, which is what we're supposed to be doing, is a long commitment. It's a long process. So I try not to look week to week. We may have 25 in my class one week and nine the next week, and that doesn't mean that week was a failure. You can't measure it week to week. But just those few people I use kind of as my barometer for how things are going. I just want to kind of piggyback off of what you said about uh, healthy churches just basing that health off of growth and numbers and the optics of it. Jared C. Wilson has a book called The Prodigal Church that is kind of a very 
just kind of a, a, moder- a very helpful theological critique of the pragmatic consumeristic church. There were so many big words in that sentence. Yeah, well, I've, just, I've been practicing so hard on big pause words. Pause it man. and get my dictionary app open. <laughs> Listen to what you just said. It's a critique of the pragmatic commercialism. Pra- pra- <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't say it again. I, I practiced it. Could you tell I rehearsed that line? Sorry, I didn't uh, mean to derail you. No, it's all good. So, yeah, but basically one of the things that he has said in his ministry, and I don't know if this is original to uh, Jared or not, but he has tweeted stuff like this before, but he says not all, just because it's growing doesn't mean it's healthy. Cancer grows. Oh, it's not healthy. I have, since I came back to Southeast Texas, I have grown, not in a healthy way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So just because you're growing doesn't mean you're healthy. And we, we've seen that here at Cornerstone. We, by God's grace, when I got here, man, this church was blowing and going when I got here, but we've just continued and uh, we've kind of leveled off in the last year or so, but we about doubled in size in a couple of years. While I do believe God was blessing all that and making it happen, we got to a point where we just had to stop and say, okay. How do we start running this thing in a way that's helpful? It's almost like if a family adopted five or six kids at once, which I know some families who've done similar things to that. You know, it's like, we don't know what we're doing. I don't know how to cook. We're feeding them junk food all the time. Like, it's not sustainable for the long haul. You've got to learn how to adapt and adjust. So at Cornerstone, we've had to start saying, what do we do? How do we take this group of people God has given us and actually be the church instead of just a crowd? So for us, when it comes to defining success— it isn't based on the growth. It's based on just what you said, discipleship. Because at the end of the day, nobody cares how big your church is. And it's going to get even worse because we're going to stand before God, and he sure as heck isn't going to care how big your church was. He's not going to care what numbers you were running. He's not going to care how big your budget was, how many buildings you had at your church. The only thing that's going to make it with us to eternity is how many disciples did we make. Right. How many people did we connect with Jesus and help them learn and grow? So we have to define success that way. What are you doing right now in your ministry to make disciples? Because what you're doing to make disciples is what you're doing to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. And the great success of your ministry, of your life, will be at the end of the day, those names and faces of people who've met Jesus and have learned to grow and walk with him. I feel very bad just right now, but I've got three points. Boom. To Take make. us home with those three. So one, when I was in college, one of our professors, it was a practical ministry course, and he was also the chaplain at the time, Dane Folks, works for Samaritan's Purse now. But one of the most impactful statements I've ever heard. I prefer heard, Samaritan's handbag. <laughs> but he said... Less feminine. And my wife has it written in the cover of her Bible. That's how impactful this was. But he said, success in ministry will always be defined by the names of individuals, which I thought that was great. That's good. Uh, second, just to kind of put a bow on this conversation, I think when we turn our ambition from outward to inward, and by that I mean instead of looking elsewhere and using that drive and ambition to go somewhere else and be something else, when we turn that drive and ambition inward and say, how can I serve my people better, whether that's a small group or a Sunday school class or a music ministry, when I turn that drive and ambition here inward to where I'm at, I think the growth will happen, and it might not be long before the things we looked at as great over there, that's what I might have here. Yeah. That God might bring that kind of growth and health and success yeah. to where I'm at. And the third thing I want to say, and I had this written down in my notes, was that one of the first times I ever went to a big conference, it was the Catalyst Conference in Atlanta, 15,000 people in this stadium, I mean this arena in Atlanta, Georgia, and Andy Stanley and Craig Groeschel and you know, all those big name guys, Mark Batterson, all the people who write the books that we Rusty all read. Mott. 
for us, maybe one day. But I went with my pastor, David Rice, and I think Donald Miller gave a talk, and it was halfway through the second day, and we broke for lunch, and we were walking out, and I was 21 maybe, and just kind of smart-alecky said to David, my pastor, I said, one day you're going to go to this conference, and you're going to hear me down there. I'm going to be down there on that stage talking. And flat and serious as he could be, he said, would you be content with your life if you never did? That was a gut check, and I said, what do you mean? He said, what if you pastor a church of 75 people, and they grow and they're healthy, but you never grow bigger than 75 people, and you spend your ministry career preaching the gospel to a church of 75? On your deathbed, are you going to be satisfied with that? Will you be happy with that, or do you have to preach on the big stage in the big arena to the big crowd? And I was just trying to make a joke, be a smart aleck, and go get a burrito, but that kind of, I mean, you know, that was a dozen years ago, and I'm still thinking so about that. then Pastor that. David looked at you and said, take that, North Korea. <laughs> Chew on that. <laughs> but that was a great thing that stuck with me. Yeah. And I'm glad he said it to me early in my ministry because he, such a good he just flat out asked me, would you be happy with your ministry? Would you be content in ministry if you never did? Ministry leaders, friends, pastors, brothers and sisters, we need to be reminded that contentment and joy is possible right where you're at today. And our ambition needs to be a holy ambition to know Jesus more and make him known. And wherever he's placed you today, you can do that. And if you do that faithfully day after day after day, God's going to take care of where you're at next week, next month, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. He's going to be able to do that. So let's have a holy ambition. Let our ambition drive us to be making disciples who make disciples. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we hope you're following us on social media. Like our Facebook page, you can search One Hour a Week Podcast, and you should find it. Follow me on Twitter at Jared Hollier. Rusty is at Bro Rusty Ma, and this podcast is at Hour a Week Pod. We do appreciate you guys listening. We're having a good time. Nobody knew his secret ambition. Thank you to Michael W. Smith for popping in here at the end, and we will see you guys next week. Drop the mic.